I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong. Where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. Okay, good people, all across the world, I have the pleasure, y'all have the pleasure of having Angelica Johnson today. That name just is real cool, Angelica Johnson. Angelica, hey, First Gen fan, what's up? Hi, how are you all? I'm going to speak for everybody. We good. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, can you imagine like everybody? Like, yeah, we good. We good. I wonder if somebody's talking back to you right now, like in the car or something. Look, I am so excited to have you today. It has been years in the making that we've come together. And I just think it's crazy because we've been social media, you know, compadres for how long? I've been lurking your page for about two years. <laughs> about two years. And I, did, I, I feel like for some reason that we actually go back to Twitter, though. So I, is it maybe? I don't know. We, I'll find out. I'm going to go look. So, uh, yeah, but I am so glad that, you know, we have come together, y'all. And it's been amazing. The people that I've met since doing the First Gen Lounge and realizing who is First Gen. And Angelica is definitely one. I'm going to let her tell y'all about who she is. But I will say that she's definitely supportive, a very just inspiring sister who I've gotten to know, though, again, virtually. She's been somebody who cheers me on and has seen me through many phases. And I can appreciate her presence in my life. So, Angelica, look, feeling all emotional from the start because you have always been like, yeah, Eve, I see you. Go ahead. Do your thing, girl. I'm cheering for you. And I'm like, I, I know, I know. I appreciate that. Like, it's just nice to know that you haven't met me, met me, you know? Right. And so some people don't know how to support another sister, even if they haven't met her. For you to be able to see the work that other black women do and cheer us on because you always show love. I appreciate that. So, yeah, Angelica, tell the good family who you are and what you do and where you're from and all the fun stuff. Okay. So just for the record, I apologize early. Pronunciation of my name is Angelica. Ooh, and I'm always messing up somebody's name. It's okay. It's spelled like that. I told my mom she should have put a C in it. Oh, Angelica, sorry. I, I'm, I, I think like the last past three guests, I have messed up everybody's name. <laughs> oh my, and we didn't talk to and I think I called you. I don't think you said that to me. That'll come up at. Okay, Angelica. Yes. Um. So I'm from a small town in Sweetwater, Alabama. I'm originally from Wilmington, Delaware. I was the only child growing up. My mother and father were married for about 12 years and then they divorced and he remarried. And I have two younger brothers. So I was basically raised in a single family home, but I had a very present father. So I had a good upbringing. It was healthy, it was nourishing. And you know, they raised me to be the outstanding citizen that I am today. Outstanding citizen, I see you out here. So tell me a little bit about what it was like for you to have parents, I mean, that were together and then to divorce and then for your dad to remarry, you know, then you end up being first gen, so many intersections of who you are. But yeah, just going back to how did that divorce impact you? It was disheartening. I actually was a pretty good student up until they got the divorce. I was in the sixth grade 
and my grades started to dwindle down. You know, I didn't have my parents in the home and it was kind of heartbreaking. And I'm like, oh, I said, I don't have my parents. What am I supposed to do? So I didn't even really care about school. It wasn't like I couldn't do the work. I just didn't care to learn. I just went to school because that's what I had to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, it was a challenge. Yeah, because how did you heal from that, if you don't mind me asking? I haven't still to this day. <laughs> hmm. Wow. Why, why do you think so? I've always wanted my parents to remain married. You know, they're actually, you know, friends to this day, but I never wanted them to get a divorce. So it was just painful. You know, I see my friends' parents married for 30 plus years. And I'm like, wow, that could be my parents. You know, I go back and think about all the good times that we've had as a family. And, you know, it was just like it was ruined, you know. So it, it was it was rough. It's interesting to hear your perspective on how divorce impacted you and to also think about what I've heard so often from people about how just growing up in a single parent home impacted them. And for somebody like you, it's the, you know, the regret, the upsetness about y'all should still be together versus wonderment. And so because you know what it's like, you knew what it was like to still desire that. Because I, I just wonder now and I'm like, oh, I'm intrigued if people, how they handle it again, coming from a single parent home and then having two parents and been divorced. Like there's some similarities too, though. I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I haven't really heard so many people feel as I do about the topic at hand. You know, really? No, I've, I've heard people say, you know, oh, they need to be divorced, or you know, <laughs> they didn't have a father, so that was good. He's a deadbeat anyway. I'm like, ooh, I don't have that story. Sure. My dad wasn't a deadbeat. It's just they just weren't in the home, and that's what affected me more than anything. Mm, that's real. That's real. So tell us a little bit about where you are in your life now, what you're working on. Yeah, I know that you are working on that doctorate. Uh, <laughs> That's one thing. So like, I mean, just how you got to that and even deciding to go to school in the first place. Well, when I first attended college, I was 18. I went on a full scholarship to go Coast Community College in Panama City, Florida and um, play basketball. It was a sports athletic scholarship. And I went there from like September of 98 to December of 98. So I left school because I was forced to go to summer school. Although I had a very good GPA, I didn't understand why I was being forced to go to summer school. So I got upset. Mm. Yes. So that was the start of my college years. And after that, I joined the military. So it was kind of difficult to take courses and be in the military at the same time. So I was taking a class here and there here and there. I'm like, oh, I said, I'm not going to give up. And I did not give up. So it took me from 1998 to 2013 to complete my bachelor's program. Mm, To 2013. Yes, ma'am. That's quite a gap. Yeah. What kept you going? And I actually, because after some time, people just like, I'm not even going to do this. I'm over it. What made you say, I'm going to do this because I'm going to do this? What was it? My drive, I just don't like to give up. I mean, I will wear myself down until I complete something. I will find Mm. multiple ways to do it in order to get it done. Mm. I love that. And I love that because it's a reminder, especially to those who are are listening and have had to put things on hold, have had to pause, Uh that you just need to keep going if you're real about getting to what you want to get to. 
Because that, that 20, 19, 1998, ooh, 1998 to 2013, that's, some people just be like, I'm just over. If I ain't got it by now, I'm not going to do it. And you know, a lot of people do that with their PhD and EDD and all the other Ds too. Right. They say, especially when you get to the point of being a candidate, I'm not going to finish this or this is too much. I got too much going on and they don't. And so they're like ABD forever, right. which is it's heartbreaking, but neither here nor there. So 2013, you got your BA and decided that you were going to keep going to school. Yes. So at that point, I said, well, I need to do something with this. So my bachelor's is in psychology. So I was like, it's nothing I can do with this degree. I said, so I need to go forward. So at that point, I felt like felt like I wanted to be in the servicing field, which was clinical mental health counseling. So I went for that in 2013. I went right after. As soon as I got my mm-hmm. bachelor's, I went right into my master's program. And I completed that in 2017. Now, those were my painful days. I, I, I had so many crying nights, sleepless nights. You know, again, those mountains I discussed with you earlier, you know, I had a supervisor didn't want to help work with me and give me the time to go get my field time in because you do have to have, you know, a practice on an internship. I was like, oh, my gosh. So I had a blessing sent to me and my supervisor at that time afforded me the chances to go out and do those things so I can complete my master's. So I completed my master's in 2016. Mm. And so then you finished that and were thinking the doctorate immediately or like, was it a part of the plan ever? I, you know, interesting enough, I always wanted to be a lawyer. So, what? yes. So being that I didn't go that route, I was like, eh, let me go back this way. So it's still in the helping field. However, this is a little different because usually when people have family members or they battle with certain mental health issues or concerns, they tend to go that way. And I felt at some point as I got older that I may have went through some bout of depression when my parents divorced. So I said, you know, let me let me try out this clinical mental health counseling aspect. Mm. So I did go that route and being in the military, and going through, you know, my parents divorcing, that was my sign. Like, yes, this is what you need to do. So mm-hmm. I want to go bigger. So my research is based on homeless female veterans. Mm-hmm. I said, if I go bigger and get a PhD in human and social services, then I can help make a social change, you know, for female veterans or veterans for that matter, period. But I'm solely sticking to female homeless veterans because I was a veteran. And I know some of their struggles and challenges they've gone through while serving in the military. So I, I only felt it was right for me to pursue my PhD so I can do those things. Mm, love that. So I'm curious too, um, you said some of the things that they experienced. Would you mind sharing with us if it's okay or you know, to what extent you can share about things that make being you know, a woman and, and a veteran so significant? Because I know things have changed, but I know it hadn't changed enough. If that's what you right. put it. Sexism in the workplace. They've now just implemented females becoming a part of combat arms, which is you know, frontline job duties. They're, they're now working on like the larger machineries, like the tanks and stuff like that. There are now female rangers. It didn't used to be female rangers at all. Because if you go back to date, when women first were allowed in the military, they only could be nurses. Mm. So um, it has changed drastically. But it's a lot of things you go through. Sexual harassment. I have friends that have been sexually assaulted in the military. Mm. I mean, it's, it's a lot of things out there. And you know, 
those things themselves can prevent them from wanting to pursue certain things because, you know, they don't have the drive or the motivation to do so because they were tarnished while serving their country. So I just wanted to be that piece to help. I know I can't resolve the problem, but I want to help the problem. Mm. I, I can appreciate that. And thank you, you know, being a woman, being a woman of color, wanting to help take care of other women as well, because we have to help each other. We have to do more about that as women, being able to say, I see you and I recognize what you're going through and I'm here for you. Because I've been thinking about a lot about just business stuff and just how I've become what I've become. And there have been a lot of women along the path who have just helped me position myself to support me, to just show up. So for you to do that, I just think a lot of, and I appreciate that. Thank you. You're so very welcome. So again, thinking about the fact that you are, you know, you are a veteran and you are a doc student and, you know, it seems like you've just been very courageous over the course of your life. You've just gone for, for things that have been out there. Have you ever experienced feeling like you weren't enough? Oh, yes. Mm, talk to us about that. So I know we're not supposed to compare our lives to others because we're all cut from different claws and we have our own life. You know, we got what God gave us. We just have to utilize. So I used to look at people and be like, dang, you know, things are just given to them. It just, it's like it drops in their lap. And here I am working hard, struggling, you know, making all these sacrifices. And I'm, I was barely bringing home, you know, the amount of money I wanted to bring home. You know, I'm mm-hmm. trying to get six figures and I'm intelligent enough to do that. But I feel like I don't have the courage to do so, to go after it. Mm. So it's, I'm definitely holding myself back. Mm. Where did it come from? I think seeing other people's successes and it just seems like every time I take two steps forward, I get pushed back four steps. Hmm. And so then what have you done to overcome such a challenge? Because it's not easy when you get pushed down. And like I said, you look around and everybody else seems to be getting along. And then you said, you know, immediately, sometimes you've done the comparison thing. But how do you get yourself back after something like that? Well, I I do pray. I I pray. I sage. I don't know if that's... (laughs) (laughs) doing it all i'm I'm just working on my self-care right now i think that's a little more important for me at this point i need to work on what's within that i need to fix you know all the negative talking to myself and me feeling like i'm not enough or valuable when i know i am i just need to know how to put those pieces in place so i can move forward so once i you know get this self-care down pack I think I'll be okay. Mm, so you said you're doing more for self-care. What What is that looking like for you now? So I'm spending more time in the gym. I'm eating healthy. Like I said, I'm saging. I'm using my crystals. I, I have the slightest clue if I'm doing that right either because I read up on that stuff. But I do all that stuff. I, I zen. I do the five senses. I'm not sure if you're aware of what that is. Mm, tell me about that. When you tap your fingertips. When you're feeling anxious or something, you just start tapping your fingertips together. Really? Yes, it works. And so you do it with both hands or like thumb to index to middle to ring to pinky? Yeah. That's the way you do it? That is so interesting because I do that without knowing that that's what that is. I like, I've always done it naturally to calm myself. (laughs) Huh? So it's called the five senses? Yes. 
Oh, okay, cool. Okay, okay, okay. What else? And basically, just knowing that I'm, I'm worthy, I am. I need to feel that. I need to be present in the right now and stop trying to look like five years from now and just focusing on my accomplishments that I've made thus far. So hmm. that's that's how I'm dealing with it. When you say self-care too, has self-care always been something that you practice or is that something that's kind of new to you? Um, It's consistently, it's new. But I've always practiced it on and off because I, you know, I have an addiction to food too. So I have to keep myself in the gym. So I would say I've always practiced self-care on and off, but now I'm doing it consistently because that's what I need as a base so I can feel better about myself and stop comparing myself to others and stop feeling like I'm unworthy and invaluable. So I can say now it's just most consistent. Mm, That's really cool. I didn't know about the part of you being a food addict. We want to share a little bit with us about that because you're you're dropping some new stuff on me today. (laughs) And I'm just like, what? Um, You know, because it's, uh, yeah, talk to us about that because a lot of people don't openly admit having a food addiction. So I don't undereat, I overeat. Mm. I don't really binge on wholesome foods. I'm more of a snacker. So I'll eat some junk food and then I'll snack. And then when I see myself in the mirror or I see something that that I have something in my closet that I cannot wear any longer, that's when I go kill the gym. So it's a problem. And that's something I'm working on too. So I am definitely addicted to food. So I I am working on that. I'm getting better. Have you ever sought support for that? No, I I thought I could handle it on my own. Mm, How's it coming along? It, it it didn't work and then it worked for a while then it didn't work and now I'm just like you know what I just need to practice what I preach you know I talk to people every day in a group setting and we all share things and I need to actively take my own medicine so I will be okay the first thing is you know identifying what the problem is and that problem is when I feel inadequate that's when I turn to food mm. Because it literally fills you up. Yep. It makes me happy. And I'm like, you know what? This food is not going to turn me away. This food is not going to say, oh, you're underqualified or overqualified. So, yes, I was turning to food. This is such an honest conversation. And it's even thinking about how you've used food as a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. And I know that when we talk about mental health issues in general or imposter syndrome or all kinds of things, people have different ways of coping. Mm-hmm. And for you to be able to suggest how food makes you happy and food fixes, you know, like, again, that sadness and it fills you up. I don't think people who don't have the same feelings about food or don't have the same traumas associated, you know, with just things and how to how to cope. I don't think they really understand that because I'll say, you know, admittedly, I won't say I had an addiction, but similar to yourself, I have used food as a strong coping mechanism over the years. And it was one of those things where, you know, let's celebrate. Let's go get ice cream. Right. I'm feeling some kind of way. I'm about to go get a hamburger. Or, you know, I miss home. I'm going to fry some chicken. And you don't think about how how much it takes your life over sometimes. Like, like you said, the clothes stop fitting or you've got to buy new pants. And you're just like, oh, well, it's just some new pants. And then you bought a whole new wardrobe because right. you didn't gain 30 pounds. Right. And, and it's interesting that, again, you can admit it because I know that there's somebody who's dealing with it themselves. And so just thinking of 
what you've had to do? Like, what would you tell somebody who's fighting with food and fighting with themselves and, and this food addiction that they feel like they may have? What can they do that maybe you found to be successful to be able to continue to just heal from that? Honestly, this is probably not the best thing to say, but I'm kind of like a loner. So I, I just generate things on my own and try to deal with it on my own. This is actually the first time I've asked admitted that I had a food addiction. So now that I've mentioned it, you know, I have to stick to it. So you just have to be honest with yourself. And some people may need to go get, you know, help. Go see a therapist. They're out there. Get a support group, somebody to help you, you know, be happy with who you are. And some people are happy being at an unhealthy weight, which is mm-hmm. fine, which is fine. You can't, you know, tell people how to feel on their outer shell. But in the long run, at the end of the day, you have to make your inside healthy. Mm. So feeding yourself all these unhealthy foods is not going to cut it. I just would advise them to seek help if they can't do it on their own because everybody can't do it on their own. Mm, that's that's true. That's very true. So again, so many layers to who you are. Parents have been divorced, military, went to school, ended up not even finishing school at the time on a full scholarship. <laughs> like, let's talk about that too. Full scholarship, battling food addiction and having imposter syndrome and yet you're still here. Yes. Why? I have not served my purpose yet. Hmm. What is your purpose? My purpose is to help others. That's what I was put on earth to do. And, and I haven't served it yet. I mean, I may have sprinkled a little, you know, magic on people, but it hasn't been enough magic. Mm-hmm. So I am I am not done. And then let me ask you this, and all that you've been through and all that you have become, what do you wish somebody just would have told you before getting to be an adult and realizing this some bull? <laughs> what do you wish you knew? I wish I would have been told that my journey is mine. Don't compare it to others. You know, with all of our experiences are just that, they're ours. You know, mm. I, I had to learn it the hard way because like I said, I was the only child. So it was, mm. I I had nobody to talk to. Mm. Mm. That's cool. My mom's only child so she got married and had two more children. And so, I mean, they're my siblings. And you know, that's what we're taught, especially in black families that that matter if it's your mom or your daddy, those are your siblings, they're your full siblings. And right. it took me like by storm, one day getting older and realized, oh gosh, those are my half brother and sister. But it's like, no, they your whole come from the same mama. Like, no, genetically, <laughs> they're my half brother and sister. Right. And so I can understand that feeling of awkwardness about being the only. And I'm like, wow, there's no other person who shares my DNA like I do. And even in realizing that I you know, came to see that, hey, maybe I am special. Maybe there is something, you know, that's there that I need to acknowledge and pursue more. But neither here or there, you know, just definitely growing and making sense of what it means to be a whole person. Right. In spite of, like I said, just adversities and challenges. Yeah. So another question I have for you, I'm just kind of like, you know, like thinking beyond what do you do beyond self-care? What do you do to grow? So what are some things you do for personal and professional development? My attend conferences, women conferences. I went to a sports conference maybe about two years ago, you know, just to mingle around with women. I went to a fitness expo to mingle around with different women. I like to go and learn and get myself out there and meet new people and see, you know, different populations and get some nuggets from them because they may 
give me something I've been looking for. So mm-hmm. I use those platforms to get some insight. It's very, very cool. Are you reading anything or have you read anything good recently outside of school stuff? <laughs> I, no, ma'am, but I do have a book. On, <laughs> I do have a book. It's a procrastination book. I can't think of the title of it, but I definitely need to read that because that is very crippling. So that is probably part of the reason why my chapter two is not done yet. However, <laughs> I need to read that book. So that's going to be my next project to read that book. So what is it, like, you know, you said procrastination and then you got this, this doc going on. What is the, the hardest thing about finishing it right now? I mean, beside procrastination. Oh, uh, that's about it. I reached out to my chair at first and asked her about an outline and she didn't have a, she didn't have a draft. So then I reached out to some of my cohorts and they didn't have a draft. I'm like, oh my God, I got to figure out how to get this draft together. So I put this little draft together. You know, I was waiting on them now, mind you. This is not their dissertation. So I'm waiting on them to come up with this draft. So nobody had a draft. So I made up this draft based on, you know, my components of my chapter two. And I sent it to my chair and she was like, that is perfect. Start Mm. writing the lit review. And that made me feel really good because I just knew I needed somebody else to send me their draft so I can use it as a guide. And now I need to start writing on it. I haven't started yet. I maybe looked at one article, which is bad. That was two days ago. So what I do is I have a calendar and I write in there how many paragraphs I need to write a day. So that's going to help me a little bit with my procrastination. I look at my calendar. I need to write. If I don't write, I have to add those two paragraphs to the next time I write. So I don't want to do that because I'll be sitting at the computer for hours. Mm, I like that. So that's my thing. Trying to shake it up a little bit. Nothing wrong with that. I like that you identify your problems and then you find your solutions. Like you said that, but then to hear how you do things and hold yourself responsible. You hold yourself accountable even for what you have to do without making it somebody else's deal that you don't get something done. That's something that I'm catching about you throughout this conversation. I can, again, really appreciate that as well. Characteristic that, hey, I don't have time. I just got to keep it going, (laughs) you know, like make something happen. And then that's really good advice that you share with grad students, be it that it's a master's student or a doc student who's working on something like you get behind, you need to make up for it. Like no excuses, get it done. Yeah. Yeah, get it done, get it done. Now we've gotten to a point as I can't believe time goes by so fast. And again, we've touched on so many things, but it has been you and your first gen experience and what life has been like for you as an adult and we're getting from healing to, you know, adventures and research and, and food. And I really did enjoy talking about the food addiction, not because it's a fun thing, but because it's being able to relate and to know that it hasn't been just me. Like, you know, again, a lot of people we don't admit, especially people of color, we don't tend to be right. so open about things that don't make us look good. So I, I'll go there. So, yeah. So what is one thought that you want to leave us with one piece of wisdom or just word of advice that you want us to carry with us for the rest of our lives it is a marathon not a sprint period you can't expect for something to happen in the blink of an eye Mm. say it again say that again you cannot expect something to happen in the blink of an eye Mm, absolutely oh i yeah i'm feeling that right now (laughs) all of that (laughs) all of that the marathon not a sprint 
that was something that somebody posted the other day on maybe LinkedIn that I saw. You just further confirm what she says. And it's nice when you're having moments of thoughts in your own life and somebody says something that you like, I'm hearing it too much. So I know it's got to be true. But she was like, yeah, my overnight success started 10 years ago. Right. And the idea that people, especially people like, you know, in business realms, they don't see you until they see you. But you've been doing the work for years and then they see you and think oh you just blew up nah I've been blowing you just caught wind of it so I like that not brain it's a marathon absolutely well Angelica you have been wonderful thank you for being so vulnerable with us today so open you know just about what you're experiencing and giving us a lot of first (laughs) you know like seriously where on the internet can we find you if we want to be in touch philosophizing underscore dr underscore Angelica on Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. Well, good stuff. Well, y'all got it. Well, with that being said, Angelica, thank you so much again for being here with us today. Looking forward to all the things that you're going to do in the future. And thank you for putting on in this world for us first gens and just wishing you nothing but the best of luck. Thank you for having me.